the more interesting it is and the more fun it is to do, probably the less it pays. This is Jackie of All Trades, a podcast that explores the multi-creative identity and the rise of the portfolio career among millennials and Gen Z in the creative industries. I'm Katura, a DJ, creative, strategist, CEO, and self-described Jackie of All Trades with a 10-year portfolio career spanning music, digital marketing, and cultural strategy. On this podcast, I speak to people who have also designed their own careers and are successfully juggling multiple creative pursuits to understand what it takes, what they've learned, and how you can do the same. This season, I'm joined by writer, content creator, podcaster, and author, Taliti. DJ, radio broadcaster, TV presenter, A&R and music label owner, Jam Supernova. Journalist, writer, strategist and director, Nati Kasambala. And DJ, writer, artist manager, music label owner and cultural curator, Elijah. Heads up, I started losing my voice during a couple of the interviews, but don't hold it against me. If this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. This is the Jackie of All Trades podcast. So far, we've released four mini episodes, each episode dedicated to the multi-creatives in this season. If you want to hear how they got to where they are today, please go back and check them out. But for this episode, episode two, we're going to be hearing from them on how technology and the internet has played a role in shaping their careers, the defining moment when they knew they were going to pursue multiple things, what connects the dots between all of those things, and finally, the challenge of balancing them all to make financial sense. What would you say the role of technology and the internet has been in building your career? Because I think you touched on SoundCloud, for example, and this whole new world that it opened us up to in terms of like music and people making really cool stuff in their bedroom yeah. and being able to connect with producers in LA and yeah. Amsterdam and all over the world. And off the back of that, that becoming a part of your USP and yeah. that becoming one of the reasons like, oh, like, okay, Jam's tapped into something that, mm. you know, nobody else seems to be tapped into. I think it changed everything for me, really. And I think it's always been there from the LimeWire days to learning Lime how to like, legally yeah. download stuff. That's, that was, but that's how I spent, that was my fun time. Fun to me was sitting online. Where what can mm. I find? What can I find? Then it then it moved into the blogs and the mixtape the mixtape blogs that would give you the mixtapes for free. And mm. then I just download mixtapes, listen to them. That's what I did in the night time when yeah, I was yeah. you know chilling. That was my chill time. I'd, mm. I'd download stuff and and or go on blogs. So even the blogging, like getting to BBC and being very very acutely aware of what blogs were good and what blogs were popping and what blogs mm. where to find information, where to find releases. You know that that really helped me with the presenters and them. Wanting to know what I thought of things mm-hmm. musically, um, and then obviously, yeah, like the SoundCloud building a global community. I mean, there's someone just messaged me just now who's from I've known from SoundCloud for mm-hmm. de- for a decade, you know. So um, connecting me, and 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 I think not only connecting me, but putting me as a person of interest, yeah, in terms of a person of 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 connecting me to these global people all around the world, mm-hmm. but being like, oh, you want your stuff played in the UK? You could talk to Jams. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and even you know things like tagging people in the in the playlist, you know, building those relationships. Mm. And I know if I go anywhere in the world, I'm sure I could find somewhere to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I needed to. Um, so I think that, and then and then even like I'm trying to think like in terms of like with the what other other aspects of the internet. I think you know even just discovering mm. really the shows that I wanted to listen to because you go from listening to like linear radio, yeah. Yes. Um, well, like I got Freeview Vox. That's how I first started listening mm. to One Extra. 
And before that, I'd, I'd try and catch Choice FM or Capital Extra, that's mm-hmm. now called, in the car. Um, but then having the internet and suddenly being able to go on the BBC thing and pick a show that I wanted to listen yeah, to. Yeah. Oh, okay. So actually, I don't want to listen to this daytime stuff. I want to listen to nighttime stuff. In the day. In the day, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of, you know, again, like opens up something in you. So mm. I think just having access, mm. access has been, I think, a game changer. And, and and I spent a lot of time online, like, how do you do this? Yeah. How to do this? Mm. How does that happen? What does that do, you know? So from information as well. Mm. Um, but I think the internet's been like, yeah, I mean, it's the reason that I, I do what I do, you know, and I still love the internet. Yeah. Internet's my first point of call. I feel like right now my season is to get the fuck off the internet. <laughs> I, I am doing everything in my power. <laughs> Do you know how ironic that is? We I have know. this conversation all the time, but how ironic it is that you have built a following off the back of technology and the internet, and you're like, I'm out of it. I, I want to get, get I out need, of it. I need to become Michaela Cole. <laughs> what is it the most that hurts you about the internet? It's an awful place. People, people can be awful. People, are, and it's not even like people saying bad things. I just like, everybody has to admit we're all addicted to it. Hmm. Including myself, we are yeah, all definitely. addicted to it. It's not okay that I wake up and I First go thing, onto this yeah, thing. Yeah. It's not okay that like someone announces something and I feel a way about myself and about my mm. achievements because of this person who I don't know. Mm-hmm. And just because that's virtue, that's how life is. People have yeah. to say about the things that they do, and so I can't blame them for yeah, it. Of it's not okay that it just takes up so much of my time. Mm. And I think, good or bad, I don't think any of us are meant to know what people think about us this often. Good yeah, or bad. and so directly. Good or bad. We we shouldn't Agreed. be so aware of people's mm. versions of us in that. Like, I yeah. just think it's a weird, I think, I don't know how healthy I think it is. So and sometimes I find that the internet is all smoke and mirrors. I want my work to do my thing. But like, as and I say, and I think the people that use the internet well, are people like Michaela, or Issa uses the internet amazingly. Yeah. She's on there where she's got things to promote. And when Outside she has them, I'm gone. Me, and I think, induces. same with Beyonce. I've got this thing. Okay, go bye. Like, and I would love to be able to be in a space to use like, you're right. like that. It, it's you have to get to a point where your work speaks for itself. You don't need to constantly be out there promoting, like, be invisible because people like, just the go work find is, you because yeah. it speaks for itself. And I hate that sometimes. I still feel like I need it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah, like I hate that. I still feel like, uh, and I guess we all do as well promotion or whatever. But I just think there's a healthy way for it to not be, and it's. Because just what the industry is, there's loads of like cool gangs and this and this and this and all of that. And I just think, yeah, I don't know. It's not great. For writing, it's played a really big role. Like Twitter alone is like responsible for at least 20% of my career, I think. Just in terms of like being a place to present views that then could get you a commission. Like literally it was giving me work. It's the reason I found the day's internship. Um, it's the reason that I know have certain resources that I know certain rates that I that people have found me that I found okay. other writers other editors. Um, so I'd say that's the probably the biggest role that technology has played in my career. Um, in terms of other stuff, it's hard. I think I've never been like amazing at social media, which is ironic. Now I'm speaking to you, so <laughs> speaking to you. Um, so I've I've never I've always tried to like toe that line of like. I don't really love being on my phone, don't really love being on social media. And the more it's related to work, the more intimidating I find it. Right. And so I, like for Instagram, for example, like there's a world in which my Instagram should be a lot more focused towards, especially in like directing and like certain career paths. It should be your work and it should be screenshots, screenshots of this stuff. And it should be like, like stills and all of that stuff. But I know that if I, 
put my social media into that avenue, my DMs are just going to be full of work. Yeah. Like they already are. And like, you know, people sending me links for tunes they want me to listen to, all of that stuff. So I think there is definitely a line that I've tried to toe in terms of keeping my internet presence as personal mm-hmm. rather than professional because otherwise I just think it's it's another job in itself. Yeah. Right? It's literally a job in itself, you know? Yeah. Um, but Twitter is definitely the reason I'm a writer. I was known as like more like an internet first person mm-hmm. ported onto Pirate Radio. Like I was the person off the, the blog spot that got onto Ritz. That was like unheard of at that time. Mm. Whereas now everyone comes from the internet or just getting discovered from the internet. Whereas at that time, you would be like, I don't know, putting out tunes or you'd work in a record shop or you would be some sort of like social connection. Whereas I was like, I didn't know anyone mm. from that scene really. And it was like, oh, you're the person putting stuff on the internet. You seem to know what's going on. And I was putting out a track list. I mean, it sounds really basic. By that time, even to have a mix of grime on the internet was rare. Mm. Like, and with track list and artwork, that was... Like, if you search, like, 2007 grime mixes, there was, like, none on the internet. So just even to start, if you if you had searched at that time, me and Skilliam's mixes would have been the first things that come up just because there was no one else putting that out. Yeah. Unless someone had, like, ripped something off Rinse of Fem or, um, like, something off Kiss or, like, one of Logan's shows or something like that. That was it. There wasn't, like, proper, like, studio mixes and stuff like that. So all the significance of being the first... You feel like put you in good stead to kind of navigate this like new digital world. Yeah. And the people, maybe the people that were there already, they they weren't looking at the digital thing. So um because they were already on rinse. So they had they had, they were like, Well, I'm broadcasting to as many people as wanna listen. And rinse became yeah, they they got their stream and internet thing and podcasts while I was there. So when I when I started, they didn't really have a proper podcast out. Again, this which sounds odd now. Like you went on a radio station and it, you didn't have the audio afterwards. You'd be like, "What's the point?" But now, <laughs> like at that time, that wasn't a thing. So if you catch it, you catch it. If you miss it, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Also, but the first few shows that I did on rinse, I would have to press record on my computer, leaving the house, go there, do the show, and then make sure it's still recording. When I got back and then right. play, then cut it, upload it onto media file at that time and send space or whatever it was so people could download yeah, it so people download because there was no SoundCloud mm. there was no YouTube nothing there was no streaming there was no in, there was no internet streaming mm. protocol um, I guess you could use um, like there was this thing called like I think it was called like internet.com okay where it was like an archive of a lot of stuff from online where you could just listen to you could put audio there but I don't think that website's even there anymore so in terms of people, so you've made it available to download and mm. then it's people in the forums that are asking for it? Like where yeah, so it's people on the forums to? and um, yeah, I put it on the blog spot and then it just made that, that thing just really accessible to people that maybe couldn't get rinse or were super interested, but maybe I yeah, didn't catch those shows and it was good. What is it that connects the dots between all of your various creative pursuits? Radio is like the middle. Mm-hmm middle of me and then all these other things sort of shoot off of it but like yeah at the core is radio um and then what's around the nucleus song you so got? then the dj and i knew that from being a specialist person on the radio mm-hmm. dj gigs would come which is why i thought well i was told you need to learn how to dj yeah like rapid let's go okay because uh, i always wanted to learn how to dj but i just didn't think that i could learn how to dj why? but then 
just thought it, it felt like if you hadn't learned from being like a young kid, then you're never going to catch it. I was like 22, right. 23 by this point. But then having the urgency mm. of, but you're going to be a specialist, you know, my mentor, Gavin Douglas, shout out to Gavin, was like, but if you're going to be specialist on the radio, you have to learn how to DJ. Mm. You're going to start getting bookings. You can't be turning up nobody, <laughs> not knowing how to DJ. Mm. So then I had to learn, you know, quite in a short, in a shorter space of time than I would have liked to have. Yeah. Um, so then, and I knew that'd be a source of income, but I wasn't really thinking of it like okay. that. But when I got the one show a week, I was like, yeah, shit, I need money, man. Like, mm. I went from like working, controlling how much I work to like not being in control of how yeah. much I work and not, you know living on a very minimum having my dream but mm. like getting the dream by living on a very minimum <laughs> like a diet version of yeah it. diet version of <laughs> yeah so I was like okay what do people do you know people do a ah they do consulting because right. now I'm in a position so how do I use this position to leverage other jobs so I was like all right I, I, I need to be I need to get an A&R consultancy mm. it's quite old-fashioned and traditional yeah, now yeah. but like, I need to get an A&R consultancy like that's what I need to do so I started having meetings I, and this is based off that's what you've been doing essentially with your radio show. You find yeah. the new music, you connect yeah. in um, the dots between producers yeah. and artists. Semtex yeah. did that, you know. Okay. Every every DJ that I knew had a consultancy mm. somewhere. So I was like, that's what you do. Right. Clearly that's the next step. Yeah. So I hit up Semtex saying I want to do some consulting and I'd always had a good relationship with him and we talk about music, mm-hmm. critically talk about music. So he put me in touch with a guy called Adrian who at the time I think was at Mercury. When he got taken over to RCA or headhunted for RCA, he brought me in. Right, as a consultant, as, as a, a consultant, consultant, as a paid okay. consultant, and then just, I guess for anyone who's not like super familiar with A and R, like what what did that consist of? Your role as an A and R consultant. Main core of it is going in once a week, sitting on the meeting and flagging music or flagging artists. So yeah, that's that's a, that's a, so that was a stream of income. Mm-hmm. Kind of being there definitely taught me a lot about a label structure. Mm-hmm. It was kind of pushing me to start my own mm-hmm. my own label and to or right. to develop artists myself. You know. So now we're saying nucleus radio. Mm-hmm. DJing, yeah. A&R consulting, yeah. now moving into label owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what makes all my things work and I think what does Fred mind is that they all kind of interlink with each I other. That's going to be my and next question. Yeah, music is the kind of thread of it all. Really, mm-hmm. I don't do that much. Don't do that much outside of music. Ultimately, I talk a lot and I'm like... <laughs> what's it? I talking like... If you took everything that I did together, that's it. I was talking and I'm like... Yeah, but what's the... I feel like, personally, just from listening to you, I feel like it's storytelling. Mm, mm, mm. I feel like that's a common thread between them all. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that's just from what I've... No, definitely. Like, I, again, I love stories. It's, it's been, the idea of storytelling has been a thing that I've, I've like, been brought up with. I always say this story. So I've got, like, a... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's not a brand. It's a thing I work on called Story Story. And it's just the whole idea of that is just telling stories. Mm. And that all came from, I remember being younger, I lived in Nigeria for a little while and every night we'd all sit on a compound and there'll be an adult that tell all the kids story mm. and it will start with Story Story and we'll reply Story once upon a time we'll say Time Time. So telling oh. stories, yeah, it's just always been like, it's just what I do and what I like to listen to. Mm. Like I just... I'm like, I'll meet a stranger and I just like sit there, I just like, I, one of my first questions, I was like, oh, are you in love? I love that question. <laughs> love, have you ever been in love? Are you in love? Because it's just, it's instantly such like a, a barrier breaker. Mm. Like they just get vulnerable. Like it's such a, like a vulnerable thing. And I just love hearing people like tell their stories. I feel like we all have one. Yeah. And I think some people, because it feels like nothing traumatic has happened and nothing drastic mm. or nothing, you feel like you don't, but everybody has some sort of story. Mm. I think, do you know what it is? I think everyone's story just allows them to be a lead. 
Yeah. And I know people now talk about main character energy all the time and it's like a trendy thing, whatever. But I I, I, I think there is a, an importance of you being a lead in your life. Because otherwise, who else does it? Firstly, controversial opinion. I feel like there doesn't always need to be one. Interesting. But for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have one, so it's fine. Okay. Um, but I think, <laughs> like, in general, like, I think it's just storytelling, isn't it? Like, I, from writing... It's about telling the story of an artist or the story of a piece of music to, you know, directing. It's the same thing. It's like, what is the story of the song? How can you kind of visually represent that? Mm-hmm. Podcasting, it's the same. And then strategy, it's kind of the same. It's like, what's the story of like, who are we trying to reach and, mm-hmm. and why? And like, how do we actually communicate with them? Mm-hmm. I think that's the key is just like telling a story and figuring out how to communicate that to someone else. Mm. Um, visually, auditorily. I don't know. Yeah. All ears, eyes, mouth, you know? So yeah, I think that's the only real common thread. But, and then in terms of like the taste, it does definitely overlap and it's definitely sits within like one kind of world. What connects the dots? I guess it's just experimentation. That's, that's what it is. Like a lot of things are not perfect or complete or like masterpieces. I wouldn't say I've done any like I haven't made a masterpiece. I haven't got no magnum opus. Like, mm. not yet, anyway. I haven't, um, you know, like, if you invite on an author or something and they've written something that sold a million copies, so they could say, well, that is my thing. Whereas I haven't got, I haven't had one of those yet. I've done some stuff that's, like, resonated with people and, like, made an impact. But I wouldn't say, like, I haven't produced my, you know, something that's, like, commercially successful or critically acclaimed or whatever, or won any awards or anything like that. Um, because I'm just experimenting and trying things out. And maybe all of that experimenting over time will land me on something one day that's like, boom, that's what it is. Mm. Um, Or maybe not. Is there one part of your portfolio career that is more or less significant in a financial sense? What impact has it had on your other creative pursuits? Yeah, definitely. So when we're now getting paid from Spotify, now I feel so much more freedom in my writing. Mm. Because I don't have to take on... It had got to a point where I was just like, I was just taking on anything. Yeah. Right? I was trying to get money, taking on anything. And then I got to a point where I was like, oh, I can say no to things. Yes. Because I've got this cushion here to know that like this thing is going to pay me. Mm-hmm. So I can actually concentrate on that. Actually, you know, here's what I want to focus yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Here's what, do you know what I mean? I can actually say no to things because I'm earning money elsewhere and I can concentrate on my yeah. writing a lot more. I can spend more time with it. I don't have to still be doing jobs everywhere to just make up for anything. It, yeah. And at this point, my following is getting bigger. So I'm doing ads on Instagram, doing like more content mm-hmm. creative stuff. And again, I was saying like yes to loads of things just because I was just like, I'm trying to make money. And then I got to the point I was like, I can be picky. I can mm. do things because I want to do it. And with the content creative stuff on Instagram, I've got such a long list of morals of what I do and what I don't do. Yeah. Like I, I like things. I like buying stuff. I like things. I'm, I'm so careful about how much I promote people to buy things. Mm. I'm so careful about like putting this thing out there of like you need a new outfit for everything, mm. you need a new bag, you need designer stuff. I just think, I just think it's so dangerous. And I think I look at it sometimes how maybe how I would have looked at it, seen it growing up. Who I was working from a working class background, I couldn't afford any of these things, and I would have just felt like crap. Yeah, if this is what I had to yeah, um, yeah, yeah. consume all the time. So I try to be so careful Mm. about that I don't do anything that is here to promote any sort of weight loss Mm. I will never like that's always been a absolutely not like I like there's just loads of things that I'm really like picky about Mm -hmm. with that 
I had more of a space. She used to be a lot more pickier. So be like, yeah, yeah. my mum doesn't fit with me. Mm. Yeah, the money's great. And sometimes my mum my always pissed me off. <laughs> like, like, it's just like, I remember getting a gig recently and then reading something about it and I was like, oh, that doesn't sit well with me. And I'm like, what is... What, Can't do it. What is wrong with you? Can't do it. The bag says... Yeah, but, like, what yeah. is wrong with you? Like, like get it together. Mm. And that is probably because I've got the cushion and I'm getting paid elsewhere. Yeah. Because if I wasn't, it would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, sis, yeah, you need yeah, to do yeah. what you've got to do, right? And I've, I've got that cushion. So, yeah, it, me- it meant that I can concentrate on my script writing now. Because mm. I knew that I didn't have to take up all, all the work that took up so much of my time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, because there was a time I was trying to do everything. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was knackered. So I just, I just have to, like, get money. Just have to get mm. money. Just get... And everything is very... I believe in seasons. Sometimes that is your season. Your season yeah, right now is yeah. to stack. Yeah. And you need to do what you've got to do to stack. Mm. And then your season is to build some sort of like legacy or a name for yourself. And your season is to be creative. For the most part, none of them have paid particularly well. Maybe right. maybe is the right way of saying it. Like they all they've all been pretty much in equal, equal um levels, mm. other than in the fact that like you know, like we talk about writing, it's not that well paid, but in certain avenues or in certain industries or like sectors of it, it can be better paid. And it's like, you know, copywriting, for example, or writing for a brand or right. that sort of stuff. Um, same with strategy. Like sometimes it's a good check. Sometimes it's like a tiny bit of work, but it's really interesting. Um, same with directing, like notoriously music videos are like not very well paid, but like I'm just doing my first ever commercial project, my first solo commercial project, uh, which is obviously a very different type of budget. So like you kind of get like a real range mm. between in all of them, depending on exactly what you're doing within. Okay. And I think that's the, the thing that I've had to kind of be careful of or try to be like intentional about is like, what kind of writing do I want to do? Mm. What kind of directing do I want to do? Like how much do I put into each of these to mm. make sure that I'm reaching a balance and I can actually support myself? Yeah. Definitely this year has been an interesting one for writing, which I've done, I haven't done very much of. Um, I think because I started to, I think when I do a lot of something and I kind of over-prioritise it, I then get to a point where I'm like enjoying it less or mm-hmm. I need to I need to take myself back to like the passion within it. And so for writing, I was very much like, okay, now I need to really only do the things that I really care about. It's getting to the point where it's feeling a bit like a chore. Mm-hmm. And that usually, it's like interest and financial usually going right, at the cross okay. access, right? Where like the more interesting it is and the more fun it is to do, probably the less it pays. Right. And I think that that's something that came through with writing. Like I just ended up like having to do other things or wanting to do other things to in like directing, for example, or in strategy work. Mm-hmm so that I could say no yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to articles that I didn't want to write yeah. and then only have to come back to writing and not have to worry about how much, how little they're paying me mm. for certain features because it's more about actually the person I'm speaking to and the publication mm-hmm. than it is about just like actually paying rent. I'll veer towards like doing the most financially like generous stuff mm-hmm. so that I can enjoy the other work more. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's such a it's such a hard balance because you just don't. I've just never wanted to be that person who's like doing something for a check, yeah. and I find it so hard to motivate myself mm. when that's the case. Even though I know, like, I've got, I have to pay rent. Uh, I want to buy those nice shoes, <laughs> but like for some reason, my brain can't connect that with like then do the work. Then do the work. Instead, yeah. I'm like, no, but it's not fun. Mm. That's a good position to be in, though. No, if you have to pay your rent. I fully relate to everyone's experiences here for different reasons. 
for me in the past year, I've had to pour a lot into building my agency forward slash to create some financial stability, which means I've had less time to focus on DJing and my label, so future. But by taking on those jobs with forward slash, it means now I'm in a better position to work on music ideas and projects that won't necessarily make money straight away, but will do in the long run. And that's an amazing feeling. I'll be back next week with episode three of Jackie of All Trades and we'll be talking all about mental health, mindset and staying motivated. For now though, subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on socials at J-O-A-T Podcast UK on Instagram and TikTok and you can also watch all of these episodes on YouTube. <laughs>